Good morning. My name is Spencer Bros. I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's Church, and it is a blessing to be here with you as we indeed worship on this first Sunday of Lent. As we continue on this path that we began Wednesday night, and it goes all the way through the cross to the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. This year, as we approach the idea of the season of Lent, we are taking a little bit of a different view. You may be aware that uh, there are 40 days of Lent, but if you count the days from Ash Wednesday to the Saturday before Easter, you will come up with more than 40 days. That is because every Sunday is intended to be a mini Easter, a mini celebration of the resurrection. So this season, we're going to take a look at the post-resurrection stories in Scripture. Most of these stories are read the week after Easter and Sunday and preached on, so most of us don't hear them because we've come for Easter. There's a reason that's called a low Sunday. Um, actually, that's not the reason, but there's a whole other reason behind that. But anyway, uh, but that just tends to be the reality. So this year, we're, we've taken inspiration from a book written by um, Tom Berlin, who's now bishop in the United Methodist Church, called The Third Day. And the look at those moments uh, as his disciples encountered him in the resurrection, after the resurrection, and how the resurrection continues to change and transform lives as it did theirs. The power of the resurrection wasn't simply raising Jesus from death to life, but it continues to reverberate throughout the church, throughout history. So today we're going to take a look at that. And the first scripture is not one that comes on the uh, Sunday after Easter. It actually uh, is an Easter morning scripture, and it typically is my Easter sunrise scripture. So I'm going to have to find something different for this year. But this is from John chapter 20, uh, beginning at verse 11. And this is after the crucifixion. This is the morning um, of the resurrection. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and, and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for us, 
the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to read for you a part of the introduction from the book, The Third Day. It's by Tom Berlin and Mark A. Miller, who, by the way, is not the elder from Virginia. He's a different Mark Miller. We know a Mark Miller in Virginia, and this is, we just assumed it was him. This is a different fellow. Anyway, they wrote this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ profoundly changed the lives of those who followed him, and it can transform ours as well. The first disciples were blown off course when Jesus was crucified. Some thought that their journey had ended. Others went back to their old lives, no longer able to navigate in the places Jesus had taken them. The experience of the resurrection is what put them back on course. It reoriented their lives and enabled them to go places and do things they never imagined. The resurrection is not a strategy or a product. It is not sold by self Self-help gurus telling us, get some resurrection and you too can find new life. Instead, we need the resurrection to be a reference point in our lives rather than one Sunday on our calendars. It is both an experience of the power of God and a truth about Jesus that offers us confidence. Because Jesus was resurrected on the third day, we know that God offers new beginnings no matter what the facts of our present reality seem to tell us. Everyone needs the power of resurrection. It does not matter how smart you are, you still will still encounter problems that defy solutions and lead to dead ends. It does not matter how much positivity your personality possesses, there will be times when you will feel despair. You may have the ability to read people and know whom to trust, but someone will let you down so badly that you may give up on them. Likewise, you may disappoint yourself and others so deeply that you will feel beyond redemption or disappointed with God to the point that faith seems impossible to hold. Jesus' first followers had these experiences, and so do we. This is why the resurrection of Christ and the new life he demonstrated each time he appeared to them transformed their lives. The resurrection offered Jesus' disciples hope, new life, and the assurance that God is present not only in our brightest moments, but also our darkest. The resurrection dispels fear. It resolves anxiety. In the darkness that shrouds death, the light of the resurrection shines. For all these reasons, we need to think and talk more about what happened on the third day, the day of the resurrection, and how that impacts all the days that follow. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to explore the impact of the resurrection, not just in Scripture, but also how it continues to reverberate in our lives. I do encourage you to, to have a daily devotion that walks you through Lent and, and uh, helps you to, to be in touch with that period of time, those days of preparation, that time of connecting with Jesus' sacrifice and self-denial. But on Sundays, we're going to return to the accounts of resurrection and see how they continue to bless us, even still. And today we, we spend time with Mary Magdalene. On this most significant morning of all time and beyond time, she's standing in the garden, dazed and confused by the time we encounter her here. 
She has already witnessed the crucifixion. She spent the last couple of days in the midst of her loss and pain. I don't know if she went off by herself. Don't know if she spent them with the disciples. We don't know where she was, but we imagine she must have been in grief. And she's finally able to go to, to go with the others to do something. In the midst of loss, sometimes we feel out of control and we have this, this desire, if not need, to do something. And this is her chance to do something about Jesus' death, to go and to prepare his body appropriately and properly. And when they arrive with all the, the, the cloth and the herbs and spices and all the things that they need to prepare his body, they get there and he's not there. So I invite you to, to sit for a moment in that moment. I like to jump to the, to the interaction between Mary and the supposed gardener, but in that moment, all the weight that she must have been carrying probably doubled. As she sat in the midst of all of the burdens she carried, and the lightest of them were the spices and the cloths in her hands. She's not expecting anything more of Jesus. He's gone. The ministry that she had been a part of is as dead as Jesus. And she stands there, weeping. The last two days, this moment has been the only thing holding to her together, I imagine. If I can just make it to Sunday. If I can just get to the tomb. To tell him goodbye. To prepare him properly. To show my love for him one last time. And he's not there. In the book, Bishop Berlin walks us through some of the burdens she may have carried, and I, and I want to walk us through those a little bit this morning as well. She carried the burden of trauma. The word gets used a lot, and sometimes it may be too much. But in this instant, she saw not only the results of Jesus' torture, which were brutal, but she was a witness to the crucifixion, which was worse. And without getting into all of it too deeply, nailing his wrists and feet to the cross may have been the least of his pain and of the trauma that she witnessed. During 2021, as we were trying to figure out life and ministry after the initial year of COVID, I learned some things as a pastor that helped me to understand 
not only what I was experiencing, but many of my colleagues and, and also people in many different walks of life. During that time, every communication I had with somebody in the congregation ended up in pastoral care. We could have been talking about the videos that we were putting together for Sunday. It could have been talking about who's talked to who and making sure so-and-so is, is doing okay. It could have been anything about checking on the weather. It doesn't matter. We ended up talking about how that person was in the midst of all of the changes all around us. And, and I had not been fully aware of the weight of all of that until somebody gave me a phrase. It was a bunch of us pastors. We were in a, a, a training session, actually. Um, and the phrase vicarious trauma was shared with us and then explained. And it helped me to wrap my brain around this type of trauma that's not directly experienced but observed. And it, uh, it was initially identified in the late 80s, published in 1990, and it's defined as uh, uh, vicarious trauma. It's sometimes called secondary traumatic stress occurs when a person is exposed, to, is exposed or has continuous exposure to the trauma of another indirectly, usually through hearing or seeing a firsthand account of it. As a result, the person's worldview may shift, and they may experience mental health symptoms that can negatively impact their life and their work. This was initially identified among mental health care workers. This is also the same type of stress endured by those who care for loved ones with chronic or terminal illnesses. And I don't compare the suffering of most of us during COVID to the suffering of Jesus. However, it would not be a stretch to say that Mary Magdalene was traumatized by witnessing Jesus' brutal treatment and execution. She carried burden, uh, trauma as a burden. She also had to carry grief. You've probably heard these questions when there's been a death of a loved one around, and probably you've spoken it to something like, how do people endure such loss without Jesus in their lives? What do people do without the hope of heaven? Imagining somebody like that. Think of Mary Magdalene. She was that person. To her, Jesus wasn't resurrected yet. The only hope of, of resurrection was this idea of Sheol, a wandering, shadowed existence in, in the afterlife. It was no life. It just was an existence. She only had loss in that moment. Loss without hope. Loss without a way forward. Loss without anything that would come close to filling the emptiness that she carried. Trauma and grief were weights, burdens. Mary Magdalene carried. And it's also likely that she carried the weight of anxiety. With the literal demons of her past return. We don't know a lot about Mary Magdalene. She, her story gets folded in with the Mary of Mary and Martha. Gets carried, uh, folded in with the story of uh, the woman who was caught in adultery. We, we overlap these images sometimes in our mind, but we only know a little bit about her past from Luke 
chapter 8, saying, Soon afterwards, Jesus went on through one town and village after another, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. That's, that's what we know about her backstory. Really, of her story at all. We don't have any specifics about the demons, no, how long they, she endured them, how they revealed themselves, how she lived, what she was doing, but we can imagine that she was ostracized and alone, set apart from the community, maybe even from friends and family, and ritually unclean, and unable to participate in the rites and rituals of her faith. And she had to wonder, with Jesus gone, would those demons return? Would that existence come back? And then she hears her name. In that garden, she hears her teacher, her Rabboni, say, Mary. And I imagine in that moment, that weight lifted. She was lighter than she had ever felt, even the moment after the demons had been pushed out of her. Gone. In a moment, she goes from the depths of her brokenness and darkness to the freedom that comes from being unburdened and then empowered to move forward. Not only did Jesus come back to life, but so did his movement. The ministry that she had been a part of, that she had been blessed by and was helping others to experience as well, all of that came back into existence. It was all back on the table. In history, Mary Magdalene has even been called the apostle to the apostles because Jesus told her to go and tell those other guys. Tell them about me, that I am not dead, I am alive. They all heard him say that he was going to be resurrected, but Scripture also tells us that they, he, they didn't understand it then, and it was meant to be that way. Go and tell them that I live. some way, she's been also called the first preacher of the good news as she did that. And I find the blessing in this is not simply the power of the resurrection lived in, within individuals. It is within the community of faith surrounding us, that we are a part of that. We pour into and that pours back into our lives, that interconnectedness that Jesus was creating in those 12 that then spread out beyond those 12 to others and would become the church. The gathering of people who followed Jesus connected to one another, connected through the power of the Holy Spirit, but also through the presence or the power of the resurrection lived out and experienced in their lives. We see this still play out in the world. We are called to be those who speak to it as well. And 
we see the light of Christ overcome darkness in people's lives. We see it happen most often in community. My mother's oldest brother recently passed away back in December. December? May have been November. First of her siblings to pass. And that's a blessing in and of itself. But particularly because of his story, he, he ran from demons. He, he had his demons. We all have our demons. And his controlled his life for the vast majority of it. But one of my uncles, his, one of his brothers, took him in, his family took him in, and made them part of their nuclear unit. And as that community, that the family, and then the churches they were part of surrounded my uncle, the demons that had pursued him were, were gone. It didn't happen overnight, but over a period of time. But I believe strongly that it was the power of Christ lived and modeled and shared in the midst of that community that helped him to, not, him not just to let go of his demons, but the demons to let go of him. And when he died, he was surrounded by friends and loved ones. The other side of that is his son, his oldest son, who died within days of my uncle's funeral, a couple months later. His demons never let go. He would run from them, and it seemed like he was escaping, and the things got so good, it seemed like he was, they were, it was too good. So rather than something else sabotaged, he sabotaged himself, and the demons took back hold again. He had pushed away all family, all community, was not a part of the faith that he had been at least exposed to. And he wasn't surrounded by family and friends when he passed. The power of the resurrection still has power in our lives, especially as it's lived out in the midst of community and family. We are meant to be those who extend grace to one another, mercy and compassion and love. When my one uncle took in his brother, who had been a wreck, there was a lot of opportunity, possibility, for things to go badly. But they loved him and welcomed him despite it all. That was the power of the resurrection, being lived out within them. And then extended in helping my uncle let go of his demons. And as the light of Christ living within us continues to be a part of us and transform us, we're meant to share it. Jesus told Mary Magdalene, go and tell those guys. Jesus is still telling us to go and share this good news. Share it, live it out in any way that we can possibly do so. As Pastor Jeff said last week, that's a light we shouldn't put a bushel on. He didn't say it exactly like that, something like that. Don't cover it up. It's meant to shine. And yes, some of us have been touched by trauma 
Most of us have faced demons of varying degrees that want to hold on. And most, if not all of us, have experienced grief in one way, shape, or form. But we've all walked around in our brokenness. Carrying burdens that we've been unable to let go of or put down. We all live in a world that needs to receive the light of Christ that continues to shine from the resurrection. Where all hope is lost, where grief engulfs, when anxiety overwhelms, we need to bear the light of Christ, carry the light, believe in the power of the resurrection, and live for it, live in this reality. And when we do so, our lives are transformed and changed. The community is transformed and changed. May the power of the resurrection continue to illuminate our lives, our church, our community, and push away every darkness. Amen.